What's up, Wisconsin? Welcome back to the Inside Wisconsin Show here on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. That's John Anderson. My name is Trevor Thomas. J.A., bring the yes. juice. You're going to need some juice. Okay. Sundance Wicks, the I new head coach. Juice? Of, what am I, Snoop Dogg? I mean, you could if you really want. That, that's, I think that's a good size juice that you could bring. Not okay. at this level, though. It's a different kind of juice. Sundance Wicks, the new head coach of GB Basketball. Listen, we we try hard to showcase people that you will recognize on the Inside Wisconsin show. Yeah, John and I, I think I'll speak for you for a second. We firmly believe that this is a guy you're going to need to want to recognize. Uh, the dude has got some juice. That's his slogan. Bring your own juice. Yeah, feel like he'll come find you actually. Or if you get a little, you get a you get a touch, a, you get close to him, he'll kind of if you get in his force field, it could draw you in. It will draw you in. Yeah, this episode will draw you in. This but, is a. Uh, as you know, I love to talk UWG Phoenix. I'm all in. Yeah, you do. And can we address something real quick? I got a nasty gram the other day about why we haven't featured UW Milwaukee. And the answer is I'm connected to the program here in Green Bay. You're connected to the program here in Green Bay. We're kind of Green Bay partial. No offense, UWM. No, no we're, we serve the state. We'll get on that. It takes a while. You know, we're only here every two weeks. It's um, but yeah, I'm listen, I'm all in on UWM. I'm I'm, I'm up. Oh, let's go Panthers. Let's find some Panthers. butters. Yeah. Not this episode, though. Let's go Phoenix. No. Let's talk to him. The new head coach of UWGB or Green Bay or however you call it. We'll see. Sundance Wicks on the Inside Wisconsin Show. UWGB. The Inside Wisconsin Show is brought to you by American Family Insurance, Aaron's Company, Blaine's Farm and Fleet, Capital Credit Union, Festival Foods, Quick Trip, Miller Lite, North Star Mohican Casino Resort, Provea Health, and the University of Wisconsin-Platteville. Hey, remember to subscribe on YouTube, leave a review, smash the like button, just get with us. The ninth head coach in GB history, that's UWGB or Green Bay, the Fighting Phoenix. We'll just go with that, that's Sundance Wicks. What's up, Sonny? Good to see you, man. Oh, voice of God, good to be back, man. I tell you what. <laughs> uh, except God is omni omnipresent, omniscient. Uh, Trevor only goes back to 1983. After that, he doesn't know anything. Facts. Unless, unless you're into the big multiversal timeline things, the Doctor yeah. Strange stuff, you know, we have no idea. Yeah, the other guy goes back to literally the dawn of time. Yeah. Trevor, the dawn of time <laughs> is 1983. 83, that's when my time started, okay? <laughs> is when he comes through, so, oh my goodness. Hey, um, because I know everybody's first question is about your name, so the first question I'm going to ask is, why is Green Bay a good job? Uh, because it was the worst job in college basketball. I mean, that's completely honest with you it's you look at those opportunities that's what I look at I look at opportunities I look at challenges um you go into the situation you sit there and you go all right the first thing you're looking for when you go take a job is have they ever won before if they've had success before then you know that it can be done because uh, history obviously tends to repeat itself if, if done correctly and those you go back to the Bennett area you go back to Wardle Kowalczyk guys that I know pretty well uh, I've been basically raised up in the coaching world against those guys and kind of the same timeline here with Wardle and they've all won they all wanted a high level at Green Bay. Now it took some time because this is the job where you have to you have to build it the right way. Uh, but I know from those from those decades, from those eras, that you can win here. Uh, if you would have looked at this job and said nobody had ever won here before, it'd probably be a job that you wouldn't want to take. And quite mm -hmm. frankly, you, you just run into those opportunities because you've seen people do it before. And those and those people and those players are still connected to this program, so they know what success looked like in the past. They want to repeat it and they help you out. There's a lot of blueprints here. A lot of blueprints here. So now we get back to the first question, because because UWGB, by the way, how old am I? I've been alive for every one of the nine coaches at UWGB. <laughs> okay? I've seen all of them. 
which is terrible because I can't say that about Madison and some other place, but from Dave Busson on. But but the program has had guys like Dave and Dick, Mike, Todd, Brian, Will. We had a link in there, which was kind of crazy. Uh, but do tell us, where does Sundance come from? You know, Sundance comes from, I think, my mom's uh, you know infatuation with Robert Redford back in the day. I used to have really, really beautiful blonde flowing locks. I had this like sure. flowy hair. It was beautiful. Um, so I think that the, the name infatuation actually came from two things. My mom's infatuation with Robert Redford, Butch Cassidy, the Sundance Kid, and my dad's infatuation with being kind of like a naturalistic hippie type of dude. Uh, so so my dad, I, you know, said stationed in Hawaii for a little bit, might have got on the Maui Waui a little too early, uh, and then decided that, you know, two traditional Catholic families with a bunch of names like Tom, John, Al, Dan, Bob, Linda, Mary, Mark. Uh, my brother's name is Luke. And then all of a sudden my dad pops up and he's going to tell his dad, Reuben, that you know we're getting we named our firstborn son sundance and reuben you know traditional catholic dad you named him what like it's not gonna happen and so uh they just jumped on they jumped the gun i think they found out after they experimented with me uh that sundance was a little bit too reckless so then they went to kelsey and then they went to luke and they stayed they, they, they kind of leveled themselves back out after that Love yeah, it. you're the only sundance in green bay fairly certain of that <laughs> and probably ever will be to be honest you know, there was a Sundance on American Idol back in the day a little bit. His name was Sundance Head. It was weird. He was on American Idol. And people were like, he stole your name. I'm like, I had no idea there would actually be another Sundance in this world. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you found him. Mm -hmm. So eighth, eighth stop on your coaching circuit, right? You've had eight other stops, or this is the eighth stop. But You're counting? Help me understand. Yeah, well, a little, <laughs> little bit of research. That's all. So, But help me understand this. You were home. So many of, of these guys, whether it's in coaching or playing, we all try to get home, right? Even John talks about trying to get home from a broadcast standpoint. You were home, and then you came here. So tell me about that. Are you just are you stuck on moving, or what is it about? I was home. I was an assistant coach, right? <laughs> like the, the goal is to sit in your seat, right? The seat you guys are sitting in right now, you want to sit in those seats. Uh, and I've been a Division II head coach, and what lured me away was the, the ability to go back home. I mean, I wanted to play at the University of Wyoming growing up. I was a diehard Cowboy kid. I was born in the Brown and Gold, and I wanted to. I wanted to play there. Didn't get the opportunity to. Larry Scheid actually offered me my first scholarship to play at Wyoming, and then Larry left to go back to Clemson. Steve McLean came in, uh, didn't get the opportunity to get that scholarship. He kind of took it away from me. He looked at an average white kid from Gillette, Wyoming, and said, we'd probably go find better players than that. He wasn't wrong. Right? I played Division II basketball. Uh, so going back to Wyoming was beautiful. I loved it. Um, but ultimately, you, you still crave to sit back in this seat. And for me, part of that mission going back to, to where I was from was – I really wanted to work for Jeff Linder. I think he's a brilliant basketball mind. And I knew every coach has blind spots. You're not going to be, you're not going to be great at everything. You're not going to be a phenomenal X's and O's guys, a phenomenal defense guy, a phenomenal culture guy, phenomenal community guy, phenomenal fun. You're not, you're just not going to hit, you're never going to hit five for five on that stuff. And so you got to go, you got to go work on your blind spots. And for me, it was probably the offensive execution side of the basketball. And Linder had run the most efficient offenses in the United States of America for the last couple of years. I even was an assistant at Boise State studying the international system and style of play, European concepts and trends. So that sabbatical I had for three years with, with, with Coach Linder uh, honestly really helped me get in the mode of if I was ever going to do this again, and especially at the Division One level, I better be ready on the offensive side of the ball to go execute a little bit better. Uh, and so when this opportunity arose, because I know this, you don't find the jobs, the jobs find you. It's not like you sit there as an assistant and you're just pumping your resume out and seeing if people will bite. It just never happens that way. Usually you end up getting a call or you know somebody you know somebody and next thing you know you just start talking and then now you're dating and now you're married. 
And so the next thing, the next thing you know, you're having kids. I mean, just ask my wife. Crap, this stuff happens fast. <laughs> so, uh, why? First off, why? I mean, you remember? You remember the old football coach, Paul Roach? Yeah. Okay. He was he was my neighbor when I was a kid growing up. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I mean, that's like, uh, you're 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 an interest, you're like a man of mystery. You're he such is a man uh, of he, mystery. He, well, he he technically lives through the backyard, like three houses over around the corner. But he was he was the Packers' offensive coordinator for a long time. And then he oh, went and coached. He went and coached at at uh, Wyoming for many many years. So, uh, boy, I have so many uh, fun questions I want to ask. But when you got on this, you said uh, a brilliant mind, a brilliant. We we tend to think of and listen. I am as guilty of kind of perpetuating that because of being at ESPN. So we show the stars. So we think Coach K, right? And we think Coach K. Yeah. And yet, you go look at the guy that just went into the Basketball Hall of Fame uh, from Poplar Bluff and Three Rivers, Gene Bess. Thousands, right? Um, and there's guys I remember talking to uh, Rick Majerus, and he gave me a lecture on Eddie Hickey, and like because he was the best fast breaker. Like you can find great basketball coaches all the time, regardless of level. So people go, well, Sundance came from there. Like you talk about these guys, is there a way to equate like why basketball translates through um, uh, whatever division you might be in, even though it doesn't always show up on ESPN? Yeah, I mean, it's just there's so many junkies out there, right? And mm -hmm. I think that there's the level of purity to the game that people still aspire to find. I played for a guy named Don Meyer, who at the time when he when he was done with 923 wins was the all-time winningest coach in college basketball history. Um, and Don Meyer's the coach's coach. He ran the largest camps in the world when he was at an NAI school, mm -hmm. David Lipscomb, which is now Division One in Nashville, Tennessee. He was running the largest coaching academy. And I'm sitting here. Here I am in Aberdeen, South Dakota, playing for a guy who on his resume, this is funny, on his resume, he sends his resume to, I'm a freshman about to go play college basketball for him. And it says, uh, yeah, if you're if you're interested in my credentials, you can call Coach Krzyzewski, you can call Rick Majerus, or you can right. call John Wood. You can call John Wood. I looked at it, I said, you're, you're absolutely full of crap. I mean, you might be the biggest, most full of crap guy I've ever seen in my entire life. There's no way that this guy in Aberdeen, South Dakota knows those guys and that they're calling on his behalf. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm just telling you my four years there when he ran the coaching academy in Aberdeen, South Dakota, we had Bill Self come up. We had Pat Summit come up. We had John Wooden come up. We had Morgan Wooten come up. We had Dick Bennett come up. I'm sitting here going, this this is insanity. I mean, the guy the guy literally was the coach's coach, and he gave the free fall coaches clinic, and these coaches would come from all over the place because he had he was the he was a pioneer. Like he was the first ever what I would call entrepreneurial basketball coach. 30, 30 VHSs, thirty VHSs on how to play the game of basketball from everything from press break to offensive attack, to skills and drills, mm -hmm. to defensive setup. 30 VHSs that coaches still have today is just a basketball library of knowledge um, because he was he was just obsessed and he was so passionate about it. But he didn't want to go Division One, so that's why he let Lipscomb. Lipscomb wanted to go Division One. He said, you're crazy. We got it rolling down here. We're in AI. We've won 30 straight games for whatever, 20-plus mm -hmm. 20, 20 years. We're, we're leading the country in scoring at 120 points a game. Why would we change this? And he just loved the le that, le and maybe he probably liked a little bit of control too, but he liked that level of purity that he had when it came to the game. And those coaches are all over the place. And mm -hmm. you're starting to see more of and more of them kind of just like kind of, kind of call it quits and, and retire and shut it down. Uh, because I just think there's a lot of crap that goes on nowadays that takes the purity out of it and the love of the game away from it now. Yeah. I just think it's amazing. Or you find a guy like, uh, when I first went to Phoenix, Cotton Fitzsimmons was the coach. But if you go all the way back, he's at Moberly Junior College is where he's 
he's drawing up ball plays with Tex Winter, right? Tex Winter is unbelievable. He was on a bench, you know, I guess a head guy briefly. But anyway, I just I just find it fascinating. So Trevor says you got all these stops um, and you hustled to play the game afterwards. What is it about the game of basketball that's gotten a hold of you and and just it, it doesn't let go? For me, I honestly was growing up, I, I was very blessed. I was very blessed. I had, I remember every single coach I ever had from, from Monty Wilkins, who was my fourth and fifth grade Gillette, Gillette <laughs> basketball, Gillette Wyoming, called the Gillette Bulls, because that was back in the day when Georgia got rolling. The Gillette Bulls travel team, Monty Wilkins to, to Gary Sennett, to Harlan Holty, uh, to Jim Henshaw in ninth grade, and then Mike Curry, who's the all time winningest basketball coach in Wyoming basketball history, which isn't saying much. It's Wyoming. I get it. You know, we're the flyover state, nobody stops here. Uh, and then to be able to go to play for Don Meyer and then Torbjörn Gedeke over in Sweden for a year professionally. You know, all these coaches, for me, I, I, the reason why I wanted to get into it is what they did for me, how they made me feel the impact they had. And then they taught me toughness because I was a soft-ass kid. And so <laughs> I just I just appreciated the fact that I could honestly go learn something outside of my family. You know, everyone said your family is the most important thing and you learn something from your mom and dad, but then you get these coaches and the impact they have on you and the reach that it extends beyond the court uh, is really what changed my life at Northern State with Coach Myers, that he, it was bigger than basketball for him. And he was a master at creating culture and building teams. And my favorite part of this job, what grabs a hold of me the most is creating and building teams, is watching 15, like real world, it's like real world on MTV, it's like 15 strangers going into a house. Like what's gonna happen? Like it's gonna spontaneously combust at some point, right? Uh, but you get them to bond over a common purpose or a common goal and then you get to share in the sacrifice. You get to share in the success. Uh, you get to teach them about individual responsibility and accountability. And then, and then you get to have a collective pride for a university. And all these things are kind of melted into this little witch's brew type pot. And at the end of every year, you get to sit there and say, like, what did we make, man? Was it Did we make this beautiful this beautiful brew? Or was this something they're going to throw out in the trash? Was it crap? Uh, but every year, you get to do this little chemistry experiment with these guys uh, and this community. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the funnest part for me is like when you go sit in March Madness and you watch these teams come out of nowhere or these teams that have been at the top all year long sustain that high level of success, which is freaking hard to do. You watch these teams. It's it's the teams that the stories that they tell that like connect us to all that stuff. And so for me, that's the most beautiful part. The beautiful dance about this is everybody likes everybody sees when the lights come on and they get to watch ESPN plus games and ESPN games. And they get to watch all this stuff. And they think that coaching is just when you step up on Friday night and, you know, go play Iowa State on Monday next, you know, next Monday. They think, oh, that's what coaching is. What else do you do? Well, the, the other 23 hours of the day, you know, 22 hours of the day are spent like dealing with these kids and their real lives and mm-hmm. what type of impact you can have on them. So you're in Wisconsin now. First job here in Wisconsin. And we have a way of digging our claws into you, too, right? You were telling us about how you got bit by the basketball bug. But there's something interesting about the culture in Wisconsin. So what's bitten you so far? Bite you, bitten you? Yeah, you get it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. What's funny is when I went to the state tournament, you know, English is not a strong suit. I get it. Shut it. Shut it. (laughs) When when we went to the state tournament, I I said to myself, I'm sitting here watching these basketball teams. I didn't see one team in the Final Four run a ball screen. I'm watching these teams run this beautiful motion offense, passing, moving, cutting, sharing the basketball. And all the other state tournaments I've been to is there's like a couple guys at the top of the key just dribbling around and then um, they're going to make a play at some point. And I'm sitting here going, this is one, the high school basketball coach association is phenomenal here. So all these guys can coach. They're really well coached. So the players, 
essentially end up always being way better than advertised because for, for whatever reason, there's a lot of under-recruited, there's some really highly recruited kids, but there's a lot of under-recruited kids that could be playing at this level for that matter, levels across the country that are under-recruited from Wisconsin. Uh, secondly, like Wisconsin just has this, like, it, it's almost like this, this sick, this sick <laughs> affliction for just living and dying on every single thing that happens, whether it's their high school team, whether it's the Packers, whether it's the Bucks or the Brewers or the or the Green Bay Phoenix, all of this, like they just care so much at such a deep level. I mean, the, I spent about the first five months playing psychologist and you know therapist to a bunch of the former alumni and boosters around here because they just they just want it so bad that I'm like, okay, well let's 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 take a step back here. So I, that's to me, it's the passion that exudes from the state of Wisconsin. You guys love your cheese curds. All right, you love your cheese curds. I never had any cheese curds until I moved to Wisconsin. Now I have to get them at every at every time I sit down at dinner. I have to have cheese curds. Your old fashions are wickedly different than what I'm used to, the traditional old fashioned. Um, and so you and the supper clubs, I just I didn't even know that supper clubs were a thing until I moved out here. And so I'm learning all these stuff. I thought I was a cultured guy, but here I am. I don't know crap about life. And then I moved to Wisconsin. <laughs> well, you still might be cultured. I don't know that you're Wisconsin cultured. And we'll see when your cholesterol level's 300, how much you, you want to keep on. <laughs> yeah, enjoy the stat. Enjoy the my, stat. Tri, my, my triglycerides are off the chart right now. I already know that. By the way, the the whole no ball screens, and I'm not a dribble drive presentation guy all the time, but uh, Brian Bush says that's our fault at ESPN2 because we never show a good solid screen, so no kid wants to do it. Like if we put more screens in the highlight, then it would become more palatable to the young people when they come through. Uh, you, you touched on something I wanted to ask because I remember Bill Self, uh, who I covered when he was at Oklahoma State, and Wayman Tisdale passed away. And I said, what was Wayman's greatest impact? And he said, oddly enough, he goes, he made Oklahoma a recruitable state. It had nothing to do with how good he was in the pros. He goes, he made a recruit. People now came to Oklahoma to see kids. So you touched on a little bit. Like, is Wisconsin a recruitable state for 100%. basketball players to get the can you get can you get what you need here? Yeah, what you're gonna get too, and what I've learned is it's so much about like recruiting nowadays is you gotta like who who's coaching the kids? Like what are their AAU programs like? What are what are their high school coaches like? I know this. If you got a good high school basketball coach association, you got good high school basketball coaches, you got kids that are actually committed and care and they're coached kind of almost year round by their high school coaches as well. Mm-hmm. And then there's pretty good synergy with their AAU program. So they're not leaving their high school program and going and detraining a bunch of, a bunch with their AAU program. I mean, it's, you're, you're seeing all these guys, like these really, really, it's the skill that separates. Like now more than anything, like you can go find athletic players anywhere. You can go find people that, that have some of those natural gifts, but to find kids that can pass, handle and shoot and have that like refined skill set, to me, that's what makes Wisconsin different is that it's the skill. And then, we all know this. If you're raised in a cold area, man, if you got the skill, you definitely got the will. All right. So you're going to wake up every day and, you know, snow on the ground and minus 20 degrees. You, you're pretty, pretty damn tough. And so the kids are tough. They're together. They're with it skill wise. It's very recruitable state. And I think it honestly should be recruited more. Um, the, only, the only kicker that happens here when you recruit at this level or recruit at any place that's your home state is you all know that you can't have an entire roster full of Wisconsin kids. It's all, it's, it's almost impossible because you're never going to get all the good ones to come to your school. Um, now, if you're Madison, you're trying to do that. And if you're Marquette, you're trying to do that. You're trying to make sure your, your top in state kids stay. But for our level um, and even Milwaukee, you got to get the ones that fit who you are and fit your culture and hit, hit that in spades. One more quick one then on that before we take our first break. So then why Green Bay, right? Because you just said it. We're all recruiting the same kids here in Wisconsin. Wisconsin wants them. Marquette wants them. Milwaukee wants them. 
you want them at Green Bay. And oh, by the way, we have like 103 D3 schools that are pretty decent too. So as you're building the culture, how do you get the kids to come to Green Bay? We, we don't fish in the same ponds as a couple of those schools right there, all right? So I just tell you that we got a we got a little backyard pond that we fish out of here. We don't have we don't get to go to Lake Michigan and get on the charter boat and go go you know up north and go salmon salmon fishing. Um, so we're we're fish we're fishing in a different pond. And what I when I say by that is we're we're looking for kids that kind of fit our Green Bay grit identity, and then also understanding. And this is what what Coach Bennett taught me, uh, just talking to him like biweekly on our phone calls is that you got to get kids who want to be at Green Bay. You know, you could do your recruiting job and spin it and pitch it and sell some kid on a dream up here. But ultimately, if they don't know anything about Green Bay and they don't want to be in Green Bay, why would they stay in Green Bay? And nowadays, it's probably more important to recruit kids that want to be in places than it is to recruit almost like talent. Because the commitment to stay and to push through when it's hard because it's going to get tough, that's way more important. Like the will of a man is almost more important than the talent of the individual and where you're going to find them. And so we can go regionally and know that we're going to still recruit kids, we call them regional warriors from bordering states that are tough as hell, that are still raised in cold weather, uh, but that have that Green Bay grid identity. And so that, to me, like that, there's enough kids out there where we can find one or two of those bad boys. And it's aim small, miss small for us. Mm-hmm. We're going to make sure that we go into the local bait and tackle shop and we're going to ask them what they're biting on today. We're not just going to throw out the worm and the hook, you know, and just see what happens. So crap. A little fishing analogy for you. Uh, yeah, right. I love it. Yeah, Got sure. That. By the way, I'm trying to get Trevor in the portal. He just won't go. Um, (laughs) Be careful. The portal's a dangerous place. You may not come back. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I want to dive into that too deeply. I will ask this about recruiting. So UWGB, uh, like it's got a rich history that I know really well. Um, Trevor and what he does. So you can sell me on it in a heartbeat. How do you sell the 18-year-old kid that isn't as familiar? Bring me in. Yeah, let's bring you up here, all right? So – we don't have football. So I always say like, there's, we got, we got a college football team. It's called the green Bay Packers. Vince Lombardi made sure that was the deal. So you want to know what our, you want to know what our football team is. It's the green Bay Packers. We'll just go right across town. It's probably one of the most unique environments I've ever been a part of. I couldn't understand it until I came in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Bill, my Uber driver picked me up from the airport when I was on my interview. And I told him I was here for an interview and he goes, this is typical Wisconsin crap here. And I, he goes, well, let me show you around town. Let me just drive you all around. A bill t- literally takes me on tour day Wisconsin, shows me where the Cabela's is, talks about the train tracks, how Vince Lombardi, everybody's shareholders, you know, you can buy the shares. And then we get stuck at a train, like right, right in downtown. We get stuck for about 25 minutes and it's just awkward because we're sitting there. He goes, well, this is, this is a little bit longer tour than I thought was going to happen here. We're stuck <laughs> here for about 20. We gave, came really close. And ironically, his grandson plays golf at Green Bay. Uh, and so all those things travel in certain circles. But what it is, is, I, I say this story to get to the point of Green Bay is a big is a big city, one of the biggest cities I've ever coached in as far as you know different spots because Wyoming's fifteen thousand people. Green Bay's got one hundred and fifty, and then the Fox Valley area, you know, two hundred fifty plus. Um, you you get kids to come into that what they think is a big city, but they realize that they care about you up here. So you go you go play for the Phoenix. You're gonna you're gonna be recognized when you go out in town, even if it's one hundred hundred fifty thousand people. You're gonna be recognized. You're going to be in the paper. They're going to they're going to write about you. They're going to talk about you. And then you're going to come up and you're going to go in the past. You're going to see that Tony Bennett's up here. So like, why is Green Bay relevant? Well, Tony Bennett played here. Tony Bennett's coach of Virginia is Dick Bennett's dad. You go down the history of guys, and they start seeing this, and they go, man, we got seven guys in the pros. They got eight guys in the pros. That got drafted. You got Kiefer Sykes, who came from Chicago. That's got a series on Netflix right now. That's still playing in the G League and been in NBA stops. You can, you can do it from anywhere. It's just a matter of 
do you want to go to a place that has limited distractions that has a title town professional feel to it and then we talk about all the time do you want to, do you want to come work live and play here because in the state of wisconsin the currency the currency for these kids is athletics they care if you were a former athlete in wisconsin they want to hire you if you had that resume if you played at green bay if you played at madison or marquette if you played at milwaukee they want you to stay in this area and they're willing to make sure that you, you have a good life after you get done playing and that's the 40 years after the first four that you just spend playing here and and, and sacrificing and committing to being that college athlete so to me, it's like Green Bay is a place where you come work and live, and all of a sudden you play a little bit, and you're staying a little bit too. Bill Self uses the same recruiting pitch. We don't have football here. Come to Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Now, you, all you, right, Drake. You, you, used to be able to use that. <laughs> yeah. That was that's for Trev too. Yeah. First all right, Trev. We'll get it out of the way. Break. <laughs> We're taking a break. More with Sundang Twix, UWGB Fighting Phoenix Basketball. Back in a bit. The Inside Wisconsin Show. The Inside Wisconsin Show is brought to you by American Family Insurance, Aaron's Company, Lane's Farm and Fleet, Capital Credit Union, Festival Foods, Quick Trip, Miller Lite, North Star Mohican Casino Resort, Provea Health, and the University of Wisconsin-Platteville. Hey, remember to subscribe on YouTube, leave a review, smash the like button, just get with us. J.A., this is the last time we're going to get to talk about the old Festival Foods turkey trot, our next yep. episode after this. Yeah, yeah, what do you got? You got something back there from no, turkey I'm trot perspective? Yeah, I do, but I'm listening. I don't know okay. if we want the proper reveal just yet. Okay, fair. Well, last time we talked, in the last episode, we talked about this, and we probably didn't do the purpose of the turkey trot justice, right? So... If you go to festivalfoodsturkeytrot.com, right there is a giant thank you. And it's to all the partners who over the past 15 years has helped Festival Foods donate just under. We're talking like less than $25,000, under $4 million to the Boys and Girls Club and the YMCAs. Here Can we just in take Wisconsin. $4 million? We should say $4 million, but that's a, that's a big yeah. number that they want to eclipse. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. You're right. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I don't know that we can do this justice, though. So before we jump into this, it's about a minute long. We want you to watch this. This really gives you an idea of what the turkey trot's all about. Will you please unveil whatever it is that you have from a turkey trot perspective? Yes? No? Maybe so? Yeah, that turkey. <laughs> I love that. You, you know... How do you know exactly where all this stuff is? Every single time we do something, boom, there's the turkey hat. Wow. Will you please come home for Thanksgiving and at least walk with that or not? All right. Watch this. Festival of Foods Turkey Trot. It's not necessarily all about running. It's part of that giving back to your community, too. Well, being the financial person of the Boys and Girls Club, the impact is just amazing for our club. The money, the donation that comes from the event helps us to provide the optimal club experience for our youth, providing positive and caring relationships, a safe place for kids to go, recognition, opportunity, all while having fun. At the Y, we serve anybody that would like to come to the Y. So if people can't afford their membership, we are able to offer them financial assistance for memberships and programs. For this, you get just as much out of it yourself as to what your community is getting.
All right, we're in between segments with our guy, Sonny Wicks from UWGB One Word. Time for today's Inside Wisconsin Top 5 list, presented by the University of Wisconsin-Platteville, a top university here in Wisconsin. UW-Platteville ranks in the top 20 for regional universities in the Midwest because of its quality academic programs, expert faculty, and affordable tuition. Learn more at uwplatt.edu. UW Platteville. All right, top five list time, J.A. Uh, this always mm-hmm. makes me nervous when I have no idea what we're doing from a top five list, but I did I did the, the wrestling thing with you, I think, last time. So yeah. now all the, right. the so, floor, the court is yours. All right, so we're the Phoenix, right? UWGB Phoenix. Yeah. Can you name me five other schools that have Phoenix as their mascot? Hmm. How about, let's start with this. What was, UWG, what was UWGB before they were the Phoenix? For one year, they were something else. Oh my gosh, I have you know no what clue. They I didn't know they were. No, not a clue. 6970, year they opened. One year they were something else before they adopted Phoenix. What were they? They were the Bay Badgers. Oh, interesting. The Green Bay Badgers? Whoops. The Bay Badgers. They just called them the Bay Badgers. Well, that was fine. obviously can, needed to go away. You can go find that on the old uh, interwebs. You can go find a picture of uh, Bucky on water skis. They were the Bay Badgers. Okay, they, so I got. Then they voted in the paper, and they became the Phoenix, the school paper. Maybe they were the Fighting Phoenix back then. But hey, anyway, all right. So I I do know one school that has a Phoenix uh, as their mascot. It's a high school here in Wisconsin. It's, it's not a college. Okay, not, what do you got? Yeah, it's uh, It's not university. It's uh, Watertown Luther Preparatory School. Luther Prep. The okay. Phoenix. My brother went there, and he played football there. They were the Phoenix. That is the one Phoenix I got. All right. right. So I'm gonna. Uh, should I just? Is this when I go Triple H? Triple H for everything. Triple H. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Give so, me an idea. Give me a hint. Maybe I can get these as we go. Okay. Uh, one, uh, this guy, he, he, uh, the Green Bay Packers had a first round draft pick from this school. Tight Was it end. 83? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next. So, okay. Elon. Elon is the Phoenix. Oh, I'm going to get absolutely destroyed. Oh, that's not good. You I, know that? So, Emily Matesic, one of the uh, news anchors here in Green Bay. When I was announcing back for the Bullfrogs, every time there was an Elon kid, she would come. She knew he was going to be on the roster from the visiting team, and she would scream Elon. Elon! Elon! Yeah, Elon Phoenix. And then they had Rich McGeorge, who was uh, a great tight end for the Packers. Well, maybe did great. He was a 70s tight end, first-round pick, went to Elon. And uh, he he lived in a little duplex on our way home. And I told you that before. We'd go ring his doorbell and never answer because he probably at practice. So, Elon. uh, At number four – these are teams that have different names, but they the Phoenix is actually their mascot. There's two of them there. So that's why we lumped them at four. So Swarthmore, their their real name is Swarthmore Garnet Swarthmore Garnett. They're a color. Same with Chicago, University of Chicago Maroon, but both their mascots are Phoenix. Swarthmore yeah. Phoenix, Phineas the Phoenix, and then University of Chicago, which is where Michael Kim's son, by the way, uh Matthew goes to Phoenix. So at uh, Swarthmore. And Chicago are kind of quasi mascots that are Phoenix, but their nicknames are the only Phineas I know is Phineas and Ferb. There you go. That's it. Uh, number three, Williams College, D3, Pennsylvania, Cumberland, uh, uh, Chambersburg, uh, Pennsylvania, D3, Wilson College, Phoenix. Okay, believe you. Uh, number two is Cumberland University, they're in Tennessee. Heard of them, yeah, yeah. They're a Phoenix, and number one. <laughs> <laughs> and don't ask me how I know this other than I, I live in the New England area. Pause. Did you know all these off the top of your head? 
Uh, I knew Wilson. I knew Cumberland. I knew uh, Elon. And then I had to go search for some other ones. Okay. That's still really impressive. Number one, because it's out here in Oneida, Mass., is the Olin College of Engineering. And the only sport they have is sailing. <laughs> but they're the Phoenix. They're in the, wow. North, they're in the New England Interscholastic Sailing Association with all the schools up here, right? Whether it's Brown or BU. But yeah, the Olin College of Engineering sailing team, Phoenix. Not a clue. I, I haven't even heard of the majority of those schools. Uh, two of them, maybe sure, Cumberland and Elon. Yeah, Elon, you've Jeepers. heard because somebody yelled it at you. Yeah, Swarthmore yeah. University of that's Chicago. It. You should have heard of those. Then Wilson College D three, Cumberland. That's NAIA, and uh, and then the Olin College of wow. Engineering, Arizona Christian University. The firestorm. They have a Phoenix uh, as well. I thought, oh, that's got to be one of them for when I worked out there. And they're not. They're called the Firestorm, and they have a Phoenix kind of a logo. So one of these days, you know what we're going to do is we're going to play Name the Fake Game, which is a game we used to play on Saturdays there at the old sports center. And so you'd get a thing that said like uh, Bryant versus Taft. or So you'd put out 10 games and you had to pick the three that were fake. Because like Sonny totally went to Northern fake. State. Like that doesn't sound like, okay, Northern State? That could be anything, right? Well, Mary Harden Baylor, that's a school. Yes, it is. D3 football. Yeah, and pretty good. So yeah, we play. So and they'll be like center versus middle, and you'll be like, yeah, it's no way. Nope, that game's real. So <laughs> I, one of these, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put together. We'll play name the fake game. That'll be. I like great. it. Yeah, I have, have a chance at that because it's fifty fifty. Let's be real. Because all the school of engineering Phoenix sounds fake. It's real <laughs> sailing. There of all the things, sailing. Let's get back to the Phoenix that we care about most, please. Sundance Wicks, GB. Let's go. Real. Real. At Prevail Orthopedics and Sports Medicine in Green Bay, we know power starts with the hips. That's why Dr. Michael Ryan and our team of experts provide comprehensive and advanced hip care unlike anywhere else. Come to Prevail, where we can preserve your hips so you can pursue your goals. We are back. The Inside Wisconsin Show. Trevor John and Sundance Wicks, the University of Wisconsin Green Bay basketball team. Sonny, it does not take you long to talk to you that we know you're going to win the press conference, right? We're, we're getting a feel for who you are and the culture that you bring. But if you type in Sundance Wicks into the Google, the first thing that pops up is, who is Sundance Wicks? So <laughs> tell us, man, who is Sundance Wicks? Uh, you know, kind of a, a wandering nomad, right? It's You look at this and you go, like, how does a kid from Wyoming, and I, I say her story all the time, you just grow up and everybody grows up in these different areas. And how does a kid from Wyoming end up being a college basketball coach, a division one college basketball coach from Gillette, Wyoming, where we're the coal capital of the world, energy capital of the nation. We're seven coal mines within an hour radius. How do you grow up becoming a college basketball coach? Well, you kind of get mentored and shepherded into it. Uh, and for me, you're just, you're, you're a collection of all the coaches you've ever played and worked for. And like I told you guys before, like I've, I've worked and played for some phenomenal basketball coaches. I mean, Rex Walters right now, who's, my boss at University of San Francisco is with the Charlotte Hornets. And it's just, you, you take something from everybody. Um, so who is Sundance Wicks? Like, I like, to, I, I like to look nice, all right? Where did I learn that? My first job, at Vision One job, was at Colorado in 2006-07 oh. with, with Ricardo Patton, all right? I, I came from a GA in the South Dakota. I was a GA at my alma mater. I was wearing khaki cargo shorts and double XL polos that didn't fit right. I walk into the job at Colorado. Ricardo looks at me and he goes, what the hell are you wearing? 
And I just looked out. I go, this is what we wore in South Dakota. And he goes, you're going to go, you're going to go to Nordstrom's. You're going to open up a credit card. You're going to spend $3,000 on, on tailored khaki slacks and button up shirts that actually fit. And then you're never going to walk back in this office without looking nice and presentable ever again. He said, don't dress for the job you have, dress for the job you want. And Ricardo changed my life in a sense that this was a guy who was a seventh degree black belt in Taekwondo. And he taught me about sushi, never had sushi before. <laughs> coffee, never had coffee before. Wine, didn't never want to, never wanted to try wine. It was a beer guy growing up, right? Beer guy in college, right? Wine, cigars, golf, like all these things where all this stuff happens and you have no idea that this is a part of life. And Ricardo just cultured the crap out of me. And so my time with Ricardo taught me a lot about what it is to be kind of a renaissance man, how to, how to go into any room and to fit in any room and talk to any crowd. Uh, and then you go from Ricardo and then you go, you go work for Rex Walters at San Francisco who really like educates you on the NBA side of it, the real professional side of it, the high level basketball side of it. Uh, you go, you go back to South Dakota, work for Paul Sather playing a national championship game, uh, division two level. You go work for Jeff Leonard, who's one of the greatest basketball minds in college basketball. And all these things, they just take you on this journey. So what it is, is it's the one thing that I've known that stayed true to me, that who is Sundance Wicks, that stayed true to me, is that I've always had like this God gift of energy. I just, for whatever reason, it's just, I don't get tired. I'm relentless. Like I can just go all freaking day. And it wears people down. And my wife's a high-level introvert, so opposites do attract, right? So for whatever reason... You know, God gave me the highest level of introvert, and here's the highest level of extrovert, just so we could probably meet somewhere in the middle. Um, so I live by the mantra, bring your own juice, simply because in life I've found out that not everybody has my juice, but everybody's got juice. They have their own juice. And if you want to talk another way, it's about your own unique gift or spirit that you have. But we're all on a journey of self, self-awareness, finding out who you are, more importantly, who you are not. And for me, I know who I am. I'm an energy guy. I'm a giver. I'm going to freely give as much as I possibly can every single day and try to empty the tank and then do it all over again tomorrow. Why? Because it's unlimited. It comes from the big guy upstairs. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a juice man at my core. I'm a, a hardcore juice man. And I will create hype. I will create buzz. But I tell my players all the time, and that's part of the job of being the greatest showman. Part of the job of being the greatest showman is to make people come up to the show. You got to show up. Uh, you, you, watch your, you watch your boy who was Wolverine, Hugh Jackman and the greatest showman. Like He's got to get people to come and watch the freaks right mm -hmm. and so once they get there everybody else you got to do your job i tell my guys don't listen to all the crap i'm saying out there don't don't believe all the hype when people write about you or talk about you you still got to go put in the work and i think that's one thing that we do really well over here is we create buzz we create hype we create excitement we generate that because i think our kids deserve it because they work so damn hard but they also got to go out there and execute without execution like you're just a hamster on a spinning wheel and so for us, that that's who Sundance Wix is. We're, we're energy, effort, enthusiasm, and execution. Heard. So, by the way, to win the press conference, you know who had the all-time worst introductory press conference? Do you remember that, Trev? Dick Lean. No. Yeah, he fell off his chair. He's the guy that replaced Dave Buss, and it got hot in the lights, and he literally fainted and fell off his chair at his own introductory press conference. Jeez. It's rough not was not good for him, by the way. As an old Big Eight guy, love Ricardo Patton. Does that mean you're going to get? Will I have? Uh, will we have monogram of the cuff? And I'm going to have like a GB logo on the pocket. <laughs> oh man, I got good pocket squares. I got lapel pins. The, cu yeah. the, the, the cuffs right there. Yeah. He is a high level, high level. Love, love Ricardo. Uh, listen, anybody that's kind of old school back, even Joe. I think Harrington had the job before him. Yep. Who, by the way, I don't know how you become perpetually tan while coaching in in. Uh, 
in Colorado. Like the guy moved from from Pepperdine or whatever it was, and still never lost his tan, which is crazy. Uh, sorry, Trev, I get off Tamp. Uh, get off. Uh, I get I'm off here. Tamp. We're good. So listen, you take over a team that was not good. Yep. You're below sea level. Where do I start? Yeah, I think internally, right? You just look at why. Like, why are we not good? Like, what happened? Like, what what do we need to fix here? Like, how how bad is it? And can it actually be rectified? Um, and then, so you you look internally at the situation, you assess it. Like, you assess it. You know, the cultural accountability, the social accountability, uh, the academic accountability. And then, lastly, I think you probably look at like just the athletic ability. So there's all these abilities you're looking at. And lastly, it gets to like, well, if you're if you're not going to win many games, if you're three and twenty nine or what you know whatever it is, um, you really got to just straight up. In today's day and age, you got to kind of just gut the whole thing. Um, and, you know, knowing that we're, we're trying to get our locker room done right now, we're trying to, you know, work with some general contractors to like fix the locker room. And we're talking about like adding some things and just kind of like sanding some stuff down. And they're going, you know what? It's just easier if we just gutted it all. Versus it is to try to put lipstick on this and make it look a little bit better. You're still going to have problems. So, like, let's just gut it. And ha- hearing the contractors say that, it's a pretty good analogy for what, what we inherited is. You just got to kind of start from scratch. You got to put your own foundation in and you got to build it up and understand like the narrative that we're, you know, 362, the narrative that we're telling people and just can't forget it because we can make you forget things pretty quick around here. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but we are, we were 362 out of 363 teams in the United States of America last year based on Ken Palm. So that's telling you like, this is the mountain you're climbing right now. This is, this is what it is. And that's, that's where you start. You start there. You start at ground zero, and mm-hmm. then you slowly, slowly, slowly. I mean, and I say slowly because you can't go fast. You skip steps in this process, and the next thing you know, you're you're right back where you started. Um, and so we, we will. It'll be it'll be a steady climb. It won't be some meteoric rise. Uh, I think what people think that this can happen overnight. Um, you don't you know have the NIL bags that some schools have. You're gonna still have to go get the kids that want to be here and that believe in this. And I tell people all the time when we recruited twelve new kids out of out of out of thirteen out of fifteen uh, on the roster, you should really appreciate the kids who chose to come to Green Bay because they chose that, and we didn't lie to them. We didn't tell them, "Hey, oh, this is something that's not." They came in here knowing that it was three and twenty nine, where we're at three hundred sixty two, so they chose to be a part of this uh, takeover and this this re this reestablishing this brand of basketball that people can be proud of. And when kids choose to invest at a young age, like that's, that says something about who those men are and what they're and who they're going to be. Uh, that's not for the faint of heart. You don't have an unlimited budget. I thought for sure you had an unlimited budget. Is that wrong? I didn't get that. No, no stock. Just have a stock sale, get a few mil, put it in the pocket. Works for the other team across town. <laughs> it's a good comparison though. The other team across town, right? Because you talked about how it's going to be a steady climb and, our patience in Green Bay for steady climbs is pretty non-existent these days. Uh, yeah. When you go through this now and look at your first season, Sonny, I could listen to you talk all day, man. Like, I think you are a fireball of energy and building an incredible culture. But anybody with a basketball mind knows that that doesn't turn into wins overnight, right? Correct. So if you're saying to the the old faithful of Green Bay supporters, give us a minute, what does that sound like? Uh, it sounds like just reality where we are i try not you know i always try to make sure that we're, we're telling guys what we're doing like how how our guys are responding how they're reacting how we're building the process i share the process probably more than any college coach out there uh i'm very active on social media um i don't hide things we we, we have a 
camera crew that's follow us around internally every single day. And people are like, why the hell would you do a documentary on 362? It's not a documentary. We're sh literally showing you what's happening here. I want to show you how this happens. Because for me, that's where the transparency comes and the vulnerability comes. And that's the superpower that we all get is when we get to share the struggle, also share the success, also share the heartbreak. Um, this is real life. And people think we're always living in a movie and we're in, in a fairy tale. It's not. It's just, you know, Disney princesses, the princes like Eric are just coming around every single day. Uh, sometimes you're, you're the frog, man. And we're, we have to show what it is to, to build something again. I think people lost the art of building and constructing. It's microwave, instant gratification society. So let us show you brick by brick, you know, win by win, loss by loss, heartbreak, heartbreak, joy by whatever it is. Let us show you that. And so that that's what that's what comes across. Because um, at the end of the day, people still got to have proof of concept, right? So our proof of concept is going to be this year, how we play, how, how our guys respond to adversity, what happens throughout this, this season. That's going to give you the proof of concept. That's going to allow you guys out there in the media pundits to judge us on where we are, what we're doing, and what we're going to be, right? So all, all the talk's the talk, but the walk's got to be the walk, man. Yeah. So Trevor's got to learn 12 new names. Trevor. Yeah, no, 15. You 15 get your media got them all baby. down. Got them all down. All right, good. So let's take the program where it is now. Yep. And let's say we have the success you would like to have, and we're five years from now. Okay? Take these two spots. Today, would you recruit high school you five years from now? Would you have recruited high school you? Today is still recruit high school you five years from now, still recruit high school you. It's it's a mix. I mean, so you not... like, would you have recruited high school Sundance? Oh, would I recruit high school Sundance? Absolutely, man. I was under recruited at a high level. I got a freaking chip on my shoulder, man. I, okay, good. <laughs> look, like I, had a, I recruited the crap out of me. Um, <laughs> So I think I think they missed. I'm just telling everybody out there, Steve McLean. I, I he missed, man. Nice. Steve McLean missed. Yeah, like I'm letting them know. Um, those, and and, and Rocca Forte, his assistant out there, on Rock out there. I, I let those guys know every time I see him, man. Y'all missed. Y'all missed. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've been a head coach before, right? You were over there with my boys yep. in St. Joe, Missouri, by the Wyatt's Cafeteria. Um, <laughs> love the Griffins. One of the great logos, by the way, uh, Trev. Go oh, look man. at it. The wings of the Griffin make the state of Missouri. What'd you learn in your first job when you had the, you know, when you got the big whistle and you got the first seat on the bench? What do you learn that carries over? <laughs> this is funny. You learn that you don't know crap. It's just like this. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing ever, right? Like you sit there and you go, have all these assistants have all the great ideas, right? They have all these suggestions. All of and you them. sit there and they have this book of stuff where you're like, when I'm a head coach, this is what I will do. And then you get in there and you sit there and you go, all those ideas I have are crap. Because ultimately, what it gets down to is can you get your guys to connect or can you get your guys to compete? And if you can get your guys to connect, care about each other a little bit, and then you go out there and compete every single night, that's the consistency that you need to have just to be able to be in games. And then lastly, like, you got to go execute, right? So all this stuff, all these things like, that you wanted to be great at, that you thought you just, you're going to do a thousand things, you're going to keep it really freaking simple. And I think from year one to year two is where I just evaluated myself year one. We took over a program a lot like this. And the last three jobs I've had, um, you know, Missouri Western was in the two, two, the worst two-year stretch in the history of their basketball program when we took it over. And Wyoming was in the worst two-year stretch of their basketball program when we took it over. Green Bay is in the worst two, three-year stretch in basketball program. We took it over. And what you what you find is like you get into these situations and success leaves clues just like losing leaves lessons. And so every time you go in, you go, let's just keep it simple. There's a couple things that we need to make sure that we do really, really well. 
And I changed my entire coaching philosophy uh, hmm. from, Missouri, from Missouri Western to now. Because when I first got the job at Missouri Western, I thought it was all about the other stuff. I just thought you could go in there, you could get better plays, better sets, you could get go better players, you know, all these things. And really what you learn is it gets pretty simple. Care, connect, compete. Like care about your guys. Nowadays, you have to care. If you don't care nowadays about your guys, I'm sorry, it's over for you. Like it's just, it just is. It's just, there's too much, there's too much going on in the world right now where you, you guys have to have a level of like psychological safety and, 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 and emotional comfort with you that they actually know that you care. And caring doesn't mean it's just lovey-dovey and all this stuff. Like caring actually means like you still care enough to get on their butts when they're not doing it right. You care enough to make sure that they, they understand that discipline is the highest form of love, that they have to be disciplined to be able to have freedom. So we care, we connect through all these things that we do, like these cultural activities, these cultural connection activities that we do. And then we go compete. We just compete every freaking day because you want to compete forever because you're going to have to compete for every job. You're going to have to compete for your freaking wife at some point because you're going to have to beat another guy out for her. Um, just like recruiting. I mean, you're just going to have to compete the rest of your damn life. And so what I learned is, is you learn that you don't know. You don't know. I wish I could say you don't know ish. You don't know ish when you, you sit for the first time. It's the internet, man. It's the internet. You can say whatever you want. Uh, care, connect, compete. I love that. Once a game, J.A., I forget that I'm PA announcer and I catch myself watching the game. Sure. That happened in this episode. I could listen to him all day. I have no idea how long this segment's been. Not sure, because I got more. Okay, good. Let's ask a few more and then maybe take a break then. Let me jump in here real quick. You were talking earlier about Wisconsin and how it's different for you, but let's be real. This is a moving and shaking business. When I first moved to Green Bay in 2006, I got to be friends with a couple Packers. They were the same age. And then, boom, overnight, they're gone, right? They got signed or traded or whatever. There's a bit of a – there's a business side to this. So you'll you'll realize, if you haven't already, that – well, you mentioned earlier, we're massively loyal people to programs and to, to individuals. So when you look at your career, you've moved a little bit, but you're getting to the middle-aged category. What does the future hold for Sundance Wicks? And do you think you could call this place home for the long term? I know it's hard to answer, but what are your thoughts? Well, first – I started late in everything in my life. So I didn't get married till I didn't get married till like 38 years old. Started having kids at 36, 37, 38. Uh, so now I got two kids and moving, moving when you're a single guy and you can just hop from San Francisco to South Dakota, like moving when you're a single guy is easy. Moving when you got a family and you got a wife who actually likes stability. And this is kind of where she's from. She's from Minnesota. Don't hold it against her. Um, <laughs> but it's, this is, this is her wheelhouse. And so you get to spots where, Ultimately, you're not chasing two rabbits, right? As an assistant, you want to be a really good assistant, but then you want to go, you're, you're chasing being the best assistant, but you also want to be a head coach. So you can't chase two rabbits, right? But both get away. And then when you're the head coach, you sit there and you go, if you're, if you're, if you're thinking about the next job as you're sitting as a head coach, you're going to be very good at the job you got. Uh, and so for me, I, 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 I had a, you know, when you get fired at a young age, we got fired at Northern Illinois, we didn't win enough games. And I looked at that situation and it took me a long time to unpack just kind of what that did for me mentally. And as a young coach, when you're moving up fast and you think you you got it all figured out and your ego gets involved, uh, that's where that's where you just crash land. Sorry, that's where you just crash land. You know, and like for me, it, it's you, you move on from that and you go, from here on out, I'm always going to be where my feet are. I'm going to play present. I'm going to stay present. And whatever happens after that, let's just let the chips fall where they may. Uh, and so since I made that conscious decision, just kind of bring your own juice and be intentional daily about being the best I possibly can every single day, good things have always happened, including finding my wife, having two beautiful kids and um, getting jobs that just make sense uh, for me and our family. And so I, I never predict the future. I never sit on these shows or talk, tell anybody like, this is where I'm going to go or this is what I'm going to do. All I know is 
It's what have you done for me lately, society? And so if I if we win, people are going to be happy. If we lose, people are going to be mad, and they're going to sit there and they're going to have a recency bias on you, and they're going to create a, a, a they're going to create a document that says this is good, this is bad. Do we like him? Do we not like him? I'd like to stay at a job forever if I possibly could, because ultimately that means everybody's happy and everybody's winning. And to be honest, that's you don't mess with happy. And when I, my wife is happy, my kids are happy, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And so you don't mess with happy. And too many, I think too many coaches nowadays, this is a personal opinion of mine, too many coaches are just, they're always looking to jump, jump, jump. Now, I like to be a little, I'm not saying I was any different as a younger coach, but a little bit more strategic, strategical as you go forward. Like you could jump and go to that next level if you want to. But there's a lot of coaches that made that jump from where they had a lot of success and didn't stay very long at that next jump. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't want to go back in this life. So I'd rather be happy where I'm at, stay where I'm at, and make sure that we don't mess with happy than be like, bite off more than I could chew, get up to that next spot. Next thing you know, your ass, your ass is grass. You're getting fired again. <laughs> um, so I, I, I feel like I can read a map pretty well. Uh, uh, Wyoming, cold. South Dakota, cold. Boulder <laughs> can be cold. The coldest summer Mark Twain ever sent, San Francisco. Now you're in Wisconsin. Summer in San Francisco. And yet somehow you went to Sweden and played basketball because, I don't know, Turkey or somebody was out. First off, what the hell town was that? And what was Sweden basketball in Sweden like as a pro? Well, that's crazy. So we were in Sedertelia, Sedertelia. And my coach's name was Torbjörn Gerke. Gerke is like the literal greatest like, <laughs> pregame speech guy of all time, right? So you get over there. And the Swedes are the Swedes are funny because basketball over there is like their nineteenth favorite thing they do. Um, so it's not like it's changed a lot now. So that's why I got the job in Sweden. You want to know like how a Division Two guy got a job in Sweden? Well, they didn't have a budget for me. Let me tell you that. Um, I remember sending VHSs back and forth, you know, from Sweden to, to Aberdeen, South Dakota, and then finally getting on the phone with Gerke. He's like, "Yeah, we got like sixteen hundred bucks. We could pay you. We'll give you an apartment. We got like sixteen hundred bucks." I'm like, "I'm in. Let's go." And uh, we get over there. And the Swedes, like, I appreciate their sense of humor. We had this point guard named Peter Taze. I mean, you can't say Peter. It's Pieter, Pieter Taze. And um, I get over there. I got to try out in Norway. I got to play two games in Norway with them. I'm, I'm in a country. I don't I can't read it. Crap. And I don't know what the Norwegian kroner is. And, you know, what the hell am I going to eat here? Just, um, I, lots. It's very good. Yeah. You know, baby <laughs> seal for breakfast and sour milk and crap like this. You know, and I'm like, ah, oh, this, is, this is miserable. And. <laughs> And all messed up the time zones. I go out there and I, I remember I had low blood sugar because I just didn't know what to eat. So we go and just play this game. I had like 28 points and 17 rebounds. And I get back, I like played the entire game. He never took me out. He's like, Garrick is like, this is what the Americans do. They play the entire game. You know, like this. I'm like, geez, I guess uh, I'm in the locker room and I'm like, like, I'm just like, I can't move. I'm like, it's exhausted. I'm like, I, I need something to eat. And the freaking dude, Peter Taze, brings me in. This is the most Swedish thing you'll ever hear. He brings me in a waffle with lingonberry sauce on it. Yeah. And he's like, here, eat this. And they give me like a Swedish Coke that they call a cola, you know, a Swedish cola. He's like, you need some blood, you know, you get your blood sugar up. I'm eating waffles with lingonberry sauce and drinking Coke at the end of the game. I'm like, well, at halftime, it didn't make any difference. Our guy's putting snooze packets in their lip and drinking coffee at halftime. So I'm like, we're in a good league. It's a good league. It's a high level league. <laughs> and so, so, oh, you'd be so, a hit up at Al Johnson's there in, uh, in Sister Bay. <laughs> so so Gerke, the, the best pregame speech I ever got from Gerke, and he'll love this if you watch this. Like he's he's still coaching over there right now. I think he's in either Yampland or the Copping Stars. I think it's the Copping Stars. And we're getting to play a rivalry, and Gerke walks in and he goes, You know what I want you to do? I want you to step on them. I want you to ride their larynx and rip it out their throat and spit down their throat. And I, and like Yens, 
Yeah, Johnson, I'll never forget him. He's just sitting over in the suite, been playing for a long time. He just kind of looks at me. He's like, it's crazy, right? Yeah, I'm like, like, you're not getting fired up for this right now. You just said to rip someone's larynx out, like on Roadhouse, like Patrick Swayze move. And, and the guys are like, yeah, let's go. And he just looks at me and goes, that's the craziest stuff I ever heard, man. And this dude's a cold-blooded killer. He just goes out there and just whaps like nine threes. But I'm like, those are the pregame speeches I think you live for, right? Ripping someone's larynx out. Yeah. I feel like that'd be a foul. I feel like that'd be that'd be two in the ball, but I don't know. Yeah. So in Sweden, you got like you got hockey, you got you got football, which is soccer, right? You got hockey, you got football. You have inabandi, which is basically indoor floor hockey. Then you have handball. Team handball. Team handball. And then, then like I think maybe basketball is next at that point. Like maybe at that point. So they get the world's best pole vaulter right now. So you may have dropped a spot. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just. The hierarchy of stuff in Sweden is not necessarily just basketball. Really, murder's high in the list. My God. <laughs> All right, let's get out of this segment. We'll come back to the like. Yeah, if you're competitive. Yeah, team. spit down their throat. Are you kidding? I would have, I would have left and cried and all sorts of weird stuff. All right, back for the lightning round. Sundance Wicks, UW Green Bay basketball. Just a minute. We're the Inside Wisconsin Show. The Inside Wisconsin Show is brought to you by American Family Insurance, Aaron's Company, Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Capital Credit Union, Festival Foods, Quick Trip, Miller Lite, North Star Mohican Casino Resort, Provea Health, and the University of Wisconsin-Platteville. Hey, remember to subscribe on YouTube, leave a review, smash the like button, just get with us. J.A., we're talking about rival teams. There was too much purple at Lambeau when the Vikings were in town. Too Ugly much game. blue for the Lions, too much purple for the yeah. Vikings. Wish we could fix that. Driving me to drink Miller Lite. Something really fun, though. Have you seen... This Packers fan cam, they have a new feature. I have no idea how they do this. It's almost a little disturbing. They take a picture, a high-def picture. You've seen this. Right. Yeah. I've never seen this. And sure enough, I was able to find myself in, in my hand, a giant Miller Lite. Really proud For moment you. there. I mean, yeah. listen, it, at, at some level, there are things about Packers football that we celebrate with the Miller Lite, and there are things about Packers football that we – we just have a Miller Lite because things aren't going well. Response beer for, all around. It's the beer for all emotions. It really is. And there are a lot of emotions with the Packers. Of emotions. They're not. Right. I'm indifferent right now to the Packers. I think I'll have a beer and see if I feel different, feel one way or another afterwards. Yeah. Miller Lite is terrific like that. So. My thanks to the staff at Lambeau Field. I think uh, Delaware North is the, the crew that manages all of them. I had a buddy show up kind of late to the game. We got him a ticket, and he walked in with two beers, and neither of them were Miller Lite. I took the one that he brought. I stuck it in my jacket, and I went back to the beer spot and said, hey, I'm not drinking this, and they let me go in the out and switch it out for a Miller Lite. I was really sometimes, grateful. Sometimes you just have to make the proper course corrections, and teach. it's a teaching moment. It's a I teaching a good moment, job. and that's what you got to do. Make it Miller time all season long. Please make it Miller time. Get Miller Lite delivered right to your door. Visit MillerLite.com slash Inside Wisconsin, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces, regardless of how heavy it is. It's just do the math. 3.2 per 12 ounces. Yeah. Drink Miller Lite. That's the message here. That's it. All right. We're back for the lightning round. The Inside Wisconsin show. Trevor John, Sundance, Wicks. UWGB basketball. All right, two for me. Sonny, we talk all the time about you kind of getting ingrained into the culture and into the city and, and Green Bay and Depeer. So when you bring your own juice at the level you do, what does it look like when you relax, man? <laughs> oh, 
like I'm a I'm a go to the movies by myself guy. All right, that's who I am. Like I'm the guy who goes to the because if I go to a movie, I can I love movies. I'm a huge movie guy, so I could shut it down for two hours, whatever. Go in there, turn my phone off. That's my time. Uh, if it's if it's just downstairs in the man cave watching Netflix, I I just like to just be quiet and watch something that's mind numbing, or 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 something that actually like I'm a big Star Wars guy too. Obviously, my son's name is Skywalker, so. Um, yeah, there you go. My dad was yeah, gonna give away. me Sundance. My dad, my dad was gonna give me Sundance. My my first born son was gonna be screwed too. Okay, so. <laughs> All right, last one then for me. Have you gotten sucked into the GB scene? Right, Packers are here, and the the Rush Center has concerts and all that type of stuff. But yet, you you wear a lot of hats here, man. So if you're not in the movies, where do you take your family here in Green Bay? Where have you settled in? This is cool. Like last week. All right, so. My daughter Grace, she loves Jurassic World. We went to like the Jurassic World deal at the Resh, which you know, quite honestly, it was it was confusing and exciting at the same time. I just, just don't know what's happening. <laughs> like the kids still like the Skywalker's crying. He thinks you know the Indominus Rex is coming after him. You know, and I watched all these watched all these karate moves that they were doing nice. out there. I'm like, this is a this is a high level stunt team with the Jurassic World stuff at the Resh. It was cool. It was a cool deal. I uh, spent way too much on like weird Jurassic World, like gifts and trinkets and crap like that. Though, I'll tell you that yeah. much. Oh. oh, Jurassic World, huh? Josh, I'm telling yeah. John, John, it was wild, man. Like, there was a lot going on there. I didn't know it was like actually, it was actually like a love story. So this is what was confusing for me. I'm like, this is Jurassic World. Where are the animals at? It's like it turned out to be a love story. I leave for oh. 35 years, and this is what happens to the place. <laughs> Pretty cool. That's how, by the way, that's how long I, I were. I lived in the paleontology area era of, of Green Bay back when that happened. So, uh, all right, I get to fire these off right now. Fire them off. Right. You're up. You ready, Trev? I'm ready. All right. Uh, why didn't Sundance Kid? Why didn't he want to jump off the rock cliff in the movie? I don't know. Oh, you don't know? They're trapped by the guys that are the the, the bounty hunters. Uh, he can't swim. That's ah. right. Yeah, he okay. can't swim. Yep. All right, Mr. Cheyenne, uh, Mr. Wyoming, Cheyenne Rodeo Days. That's the only thing I ever watched. Couldn't wait for that to come on ABC Wild World of Sports. What would have been your best rodeo event? Uh, I would have been. I would have been a great team roper, team guy. Right? Probably would have been a header, not a healer. Good. Frontier uh, Days is phenomenal. Do you hunt? Uh, I tried to shoot pheasants one time with my dad, and I shot holes in the sky, and it started raining. Okay, so that's we're going to take that as a no. Uh, biggest <laughs> bucket of your playing career. Yeah, I hit a shot in the uh, semifinals and sent it to overtime against Minnesota Duluth. Uh, that would have been to go to the conference tournament championship. Sent it OT. The hair was waving. It was floby. Right. You were good. Did you did yep. you do anything? Was there a celebration? Just go back to the bench and said, let's play more. No, I just kind of – I'm a let's play more type of guy. Like, let's play more basketball, bonus basketball. Very good. Yeah. Better UWGB basketball, Anderson, Paul or Tom? Mm, man, there's a lot of politics involved with this. But I'm just going to tell you right now, Paul Anderson, or sorry, Tom Anderson is a way better basketball player. Paul Anderson is probably a better businessman. Tom okay. Anderson is a high-level basketball player. So I had him as Pickham. Tom was a better scorer. Paul had more assists. They're both Green Bay Southwest guys. And when I grew up, I was the guy that went to Southwest and was not related. So they go, "Wait, you you don't go to you don't play basketball, and you're an Anderson." I'm like, "Okay, what?" I, I lived with that forever. It stunk. Uh, best athlete you grew up with that was not you? Mark Bailey. Um, and Mark Bailey is Jacques Finn, right? Those, and so in the Wyoming, there's the Millward Simpson Athlete of the Year, and there's 
Mark Bailey, Jacques Finn, and Casey Bramlett. Mark Bailey played basketball at Wyoming, actually ended up being really good for him back in the early 2000s with the NCAA tournament. Um, mm-hmm. Mark was a stud. He got the scholarship to Wyoming over me. There's no bitterness there whatsoever. None. Right. Um, and then Jacques Finn played football at Wyoming, and Casey Bramble was a quarterback at Wyoming. And all those guys went to the University of Wyoming. Ryan McGuffey as well was in there, was a wide receiver at the University of Wyoming. But Sundance Wicks was a Wyoming Milward Simpson athlete of the year because I played three sports and dominated all three of them, but just went to play Division II basketball. So I was mediocre, all right? I was mediocre mm-hmm. at all of them, um, but good enough to be the best athlete of the year. Uh, more famous basketball, Sonny Vaccaro or Smith? Sonny Vaccaro. Okay. Sonny Smith coached uh, uh, Charles Barkley at Auburn, uh, uh, Trev. That was my guess. You sure did. Uh, who is uh, Center Trellia's main rival? Center Trellia? Yeah. Middle Trellia? No. What is what? What's the, <laughs> come on now. You just told me. Who do you have to play when you're ripping larynxes out? Oh, oh, center tell you. I think you said yeah, center tell you. No, center oh, tell you. Yeah, it would it would have been the uh, the Norshipping Dolphins. Uh, yeah, the Norshipping Dolphins with Fred Drains and G. Gervin Jr., the Iceman's son at the time. Love yeah. G. Gervin. Wow. I, yeah. I covered him somewhere. Where was he at ASU? He might have been at ASU for a while. I don't know. Houston. Uh, Houston. Okay. Uh, is it really? Is it really the city of pretzels? <laughs> what? what? The city of, center tell you is the city of pretzels? Yeah. Now, I had no idea. All I know is I had a kebab Jaldrick Midrice. So that's a kebab with, with ice or with rice and then uh, no onions and a Coke. That so was you probably you never met Bjorn Borg, who's from there. No, but his underwear line is pretty good, right? I have I, I can't yeah. answer that, nor do I want to. <laughs> uh, give me your best poor uh, grad assistant or poor uh, assistant coaching story. Oh, God, this is good. So as a GA, I live with three other – uh, two other guys we we actually rented out a garage and so we lived in a garage uh but there was a pool attached to the main house where the guy lived and so we we lived in the, we lived in a garage three of us uh but we had a pool so we had an awesome life and it was uh you had 500 bucks as, as as a ga and we each paid about 125 bucks a month rent to live out of a garage in the middle of aberdeen south dakota where it's minus 30 below with no heat in there so uh yeah Baseball GA, women's basketball GA, and men's basketball GA all live in the garage. That's the start of a bad joke. Uh, scale of one to ten, how much do you think I dislike Rex Walters? <laughs> there's, well, there's two types of Rex Walters fans. There's love them or hate them. So you're either going to be a zero or a ten. And I'm going to say that you love Rex Walters. I'm so. at a thirty on how much I hate that guy. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah, Rex, sexy Rexy's the best man. That's what I love about him. Sexy, like, Rexy, either... sexy Rexy played at, at KU and beat Missouri four times. He's on the ah. all-time list. Yeah, yes. just he and Adonis Jordan, all the rest of those clowns. No thanks. Do you have his yeah, number? I don't ever. Absolutely. I don't ever want to know it. Uh, <laughs> where'd you get the blazer or that sport coat that's in your media guide uh, uh, photo? Yeah, so I got a I got a personal tailor. I'm gonna give a shout out here to uh, Brian Morris, aka sure. BMO, bespoke by BMO. Um, and Brian Morris can get you all the custom stuff that you want. He's high level, high level. He's out of Kansas wow. City, Missouri, Kansas City area. So nice. Uh, now the outside's resplendent. Do you have any uh, in the liner? Is there anything cool in the liner? Pictures of the kid. <laughs> Live. We're gonna see oh, it right now. Out. Yes. That's a bring your own juice liner right there. That's wow. A, that's a, that, this is hey, this is gonna be debuted on the sideline. This is the Green Bay special right here. All right. That's outstanding. Yeah. That's and a then, closer's jacket right there. Oh, well, then you got to make sure that you you got that. You pop the collar. And it says, "Bring your own juice." 
Oh yeah, yeah, it's high level. Oh, man. High level stuff. Double vented. What do we got in the back? Just out of curiosity. Just a classic. Yep, double okay. vented right there. Yep, very good. Right there, right there. Yep. Nice. Big suit guy. I know the double vented stuff. Good there stuff. You go. yeah. what, what, what do we got? What was that? Like a forty-eight long? No, oh, get them a little tighter. You know, that little custom yeah. fitter. Probably. Sure. You're in shape. You can do that. Uh, you're chilly yeah. with or without spaghetti. Oh, with. Yeah. Finally, uh, does Trevor know who Fennis Dembo is? No. No chance. No. no shot. <laughs> I'll no just way. see what I work with here. This it's is what I'm amateur hour. Amateur hour. Amateur hour. He doesn't know who Fennis Dembo is. How, How can you do hell? any kind of sports show? Wherever Teach you me. are, and not know who Fennis Dembo is. You're the sports the guy. I'm the culture guy. Teach me. Who is this cat? The cover of Sports Illustrated sitting on the. I mean, geez. all time great Wyoming County. Dropped 41 uh, on UCLA in the tournament. Oh man, there's 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 two there's two jerseys retired at Wyoming. Right there's two jerseys of the Rivers. Fennis Dembo and Kenny Sanders. Kenny Sanders invented the jump shot. People don't even know that. Kenny Sailors. I ask that question because I know after hearing that answer, you're going to be disgusted and go, well, that should be the end of this show. And there it is. And that's our show. Before you leave, Sonny, the day this drops, man, is the home opener for UWGB back at the Crest Center, I do believe. Give me the best seven-second elevator pitch you got on why all of Green Bay and the surrounding area should be there tonight. Who doesn't want to see somebody rise from the ashes, all right? In the literal lineation of the Phoenix right there, man. Who doesn't want to see somebody rise from 362, all right, to start the climb, to start Bang. the climb. Bang. Yeah. We, we are it. certainly partial, John and I. Uh, I believe, John, that's isn't that how everybody in the world knew that you were from Green Bay? It was a GB basketball highlight on Sports Center. You're like, hey, look at that. That's where I got my diploma. Yeah, yeah? it was one of it. I don't, I don't know if I think it was Tony Ben or somebody. I said he took a jump shot roughly from three feet, about three feet from where I got my high school diploma <laughs> at the old Brown County Veterans Memorial Arena, and one of the guys there picked up on that because it's a unlike Sundance John Anderson is about as common a name as you can have yeah like I, I believe you're probably in witness protection program just to be honest with you because if you're John Anderson like that's a witsec name um I don't get home delivery in the paper because I am afraid to step out on the front porch you know what's crazy about Tony Bennett is that his career three-point percentage is about 49.8 it's ridiculous it's, and he's made a ton of them so like to have a 50 percent career three-point average is insanity. I want to know why it took basketball analysts and and analytics guys to come up with this because I I used to always joke with Steve Levy when this guy would make three. I'm like, why wouldn't you shoot that? It's worth fifty percent more than another shot. Yeah. You know, like if you were giving somebody a hundred dollars and say, here, but I'll give you this one for uh, you know, or two hundred dollars, but I'm give you three hundred. You you do that in a heartbeat. You know. It's crazy. But and now it's ruined the game because you know nobody wants to recruit Hakeem Olajuwon. They want a bunch of guys who can go out there. By the way, if you get a chance to recruit Hakeem, take him. I still think you can play. You can win with a low post player like that. I agree. I agree. Just got to find him. We got to find a big guy who wants to be big. There we'll get him. We'll get him, dude. Best of luck. You bring the juice. We love it. We can't wait to watch you rise. Thanks for joining us on the Inside Wisconsin Show. A phenomenal segue right there. It's a huge. It's amazing. Love you guys. You're the best. Peace and love. There you go. So now that I've watched all that, I, I want to hear you introduce him. What's it going to sound like?
Oh, yeah. So he says the way – stand by. And in his first season, Phoenix head coach, Sundance Wicks. Yeah, yeah. So uh, – and that, oh, yeah. No, here's, here's how it goes. I've done it, it once, so bear with me. And the Phoenix head coach in his first season, Sundance Wicks. I'm going to need a little more juice. Well, I don't want to blow up the microphone on the no, podcast. You, again, you'll have to bring your own PA system. I get it. It's there. Yeah, you yeah. There's it. juice involved with that. There's juice involved. The Man, you want to talk about juice? Dude's got juice. The laser is amazing. Yeah. Wow. He's got his own logo. I wonder if he's got that tattoo. He's got a lot of tattoos. Does he? Do you? You should have a tattoo right here that says, "I'm not related to those Andersons." Honestly, if you literally had known. And what's even stranger, I think I've told you, because my my I grew up in a household that was all Collins. My my dad yeah. was Collins. My mom had remarried Collins. My brothers were Collins. It was just my sister and I. And so, first off, I'm not them. And then to explain, while well, I'm not even if you, you send mail to my house or you know uh, that happens now, people are like uh, I'm like, can you do this for my mom? Can you put her on the list? Sure, Karen Collins. And it takes a second. So, but they were really good at Green Bay Southwest and Green Bay Southwest at the time. Here I am just bragging, but anyway. They're bad. They had a uh, the uh, Steve Nault was the coach, and he was a really really good guy. And they had uh, the Andersons. I probably can still name that whole team that was really good. The Bruce Cornhouse, um, or was Bruce my? There was a Cornhouse. There was a Zakowski. Um, uh, there was an Anderson. Um, was it Noble or uh, who was the big center? Anyway, they they were they were a really good team. Won the Fox River Valley Conference, and then got to. Got to the arena, never quite got out of the arena, which was always the thing, right? You go play at the arena and then you go to state. But uh, they were really good. But so there was, yeah, there was Tom and then there was Paul. They both played on one of the final four teams. Uh, Tom was the senior of the year they went and finished second. And Paul was the, well, they finished both times. Paul was the uh, a freshman the year that they they finished second. One year they beat Cheney State. One year they, uh, the first year they lost in the championship game, then they beat him in the final four the next year. But yeah, I'm. I am not one of them. And that is really the strangest thing about growing up, going to Southwest and being an Anderson is I was not one <laughs> of them. And then on top of that, I wasn't even the best Anderson athlete because Amy Anderson was, and she struck me out three times in a little league game one time, which is really awful. <laughs> I think I have a bobblehead of that. So yeah. Not, By the way, she struck me out three times and the fourth time she broke my bat. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> grounded out to, yeah, grounded out to shortstop. I was playing left-handed, kind of rolled over. Yeah, Amy Anderson, best Anderson in Green Bay Southwest. I was there. Yeah, we were, I don't know, nine or ten, whatever game it was. Struck me out three times, four times, broke my bat in a six-inning game. So we got to her. Somebody else hit her. I just didn't. No. Nope. <laughs> Terrible. All right, good segue. What's the latest and greatest from the John Wisconsin days? Speaking of your childhood. Yeah, latest and greatest. So, well, because of the timings of the show, I didn't know if I should tell it this time or last time, but we're still, I think, we're well in the window. And okay. And so my sister just celebrated her is it 34th wedding anniversary, 35th, uh, just a lot. Good for her. Got it. Uh, yeah, and, good for her. And, end of October. And so I feel like this is a story that – is it is my story, but it is not unique to me in any way, shape, or form. I feel like this yeah. is the ultimate Wisconsin story that everyone has lived. Does it involve the chicken dance? Go ahead. No, it does not. Oddly enough, okay. so <laughs> we um, uh, we are we are the night before the wedding. Of course, we are having a rehearsal in the rehearsal dinner. So we go through the church, we do the whole thing, and we got married over there at the, the Bethel Baptist Church, is where she got married. Her husband was Catholic. They wanted to have a priest come in and say a blessing in the service and do sure. that. Okay, so they sort that out. 
And now let's go over to the old Eve's Supper Club for the rehearsal dinner. And uh, because I'm one of the first one out and I know the way, John, you can kind of lead the party uh, in the direction of where that is. And I am with my date, a, a lovely woman, uh, Rhonda Isabel. Um, and uh, so Rhonda and I get there first. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we get there first. And the third guy into the room is the priest who has said the blessing and he gets a little early. Into so now he's standing there and we're at the bar and the priest says, would you like anything to drink? And we kind of look and Rhonda is a Southern Baptist as she comes from. She's down in the Boot Hill of Missouri, a little town called Dexter, Missouri, almost to the Tennessee border. And I uh, said, yeah, well, uh, just a couple of Cokes. So he looks at us and it's fine. And then he turns to the bartender and he takes off his collar and he puts it, puts it in his pocket <laughs> and says, I'll take a brandy old fashioned. And then the bartender gives it to him. And then the priest looks at me and goes, now would you like something to drink? <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Sure. I'll, I'll give me a beer and uh, and uh, maybe whatever Rhonda would like to have. And then I should have known better about that. Vodka gimlet. But yeah, so the priest, it was like, literally, you want to talk about getting the blessing. He's like, have at it. Go to the sacraments. Yeah. Here's a brand new fashion. Now would you wow. like to? Yeah. So that's, and, you know, that's when I realized that, yeah, that, that, that's sort of, uh, and Rhonda still talks about it, right? I see her. She's, she's married to, a, a and lives in Missouri with a couple of kids. And uh, her husband has come up and taken a tour of ESPN when he came through and everyone's want to see him at football games, but we always kind of chuckle about that. You know, that's like funny. you'll be sitting at a tailgate and she'll go, now, would you like something to drink? And I'm like, I think <laughs> I would, thank you. Uh, all because old father, whatever his name was, decided that he needed to, you know, have a, like I said, uh, I bet that you, uh, our audience, uh, listeners and viewers, I bet a lot of people, a thousand of them could tell that story or a very similar twist on the same tale. It only happens once, too. You figure it out in a real hurry that those right. guys are the guys. Like those, yep, they're pros. By the yeah. end of the night, you're coming in and you're going, can I get you one? I'm getting another one. You need one? You're good? What do we do? That's how it works. That's awesome. Uh, there you go. Well, happy wedding anniversary of 36 years or whatever yeah. it is. Bless them, JB. Good for them. Yeah. All right, that's a good one. Uh, follow along with GB Basketball this year. They're doing a – he said it wasn't a documentary, but they are showcasing what this – climb is going to be like and they just put out the trailer the other day it's called 362 mm -hmm. it's literally the title of this thing it's a six-part series it's called 362 and it's all about we're climbing up from the bottom it's going to be fun to watch uh and it's going to take a little time i was really grateful that he said that because i think all of us when we're teams our teams are down packers brewers for the longest time and now gb and amongst others it's going to take a second so follow along with them all right thanks to sundance wicks for coming on the show Thanks, as always, to UJA, Trevor Thomas, as you were, Wisconsin. We'll see you next time. Back on the water for another episode of Deeper Roots with Blaine's Farm and Fleet. And the Inside Wisconsin show has us here on the Wisconsin River in the Wisconsin Dells with Barb and Ricky, Wisconsin Women Fish. I am not a woman, but I am so intrigued to learn. Farmers, brewers, hunters, packers, badgers, cheeseheads, neighbors. No matter what name we go by, we are bound together by our roots. These are the people, the stories, and the statriotism from inside Wisconsin. Welcome to Deeper Roots with Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Fall is a great time to fish, especially the Dells. 
Yeah, I wasn't so successful up at the Chippewa Flowage in my first muskie tour. Maybe I'll have different luck today. It's one thing good about this location is that you can catch just as many fish from shore as you can in a boat. Barb, you're the founder of the whole thing, right? I grew up fishing, so that's been in my life, my whole life. And like most women, I think, once you have kids and you're working and you're running a household, it's just kind of goes away and disappears. When I um, retired from the police department, I started fishing a lot more and I realized that I was the only woman I ever saw fishing anywhere. And I thought, where is everybody? This is so fun. I started having an event where I supplied all the equipment. I rented it and had a big outing for ice fishing. That was like 20 years ago. In the next few years, social media came into the scene and it was easy to find each other and communicate. What I've discovered in the past 20 years is a lot of these gals, like the older gals, almost all of them fished as a kid. And then some of the younger ones was like a lost generation that they didn't grow up fishing. One of the, you know, things about fishing is there's a lot to learn. And there, <laughs> you know, it, there's so many little things. And the good part of that is you can just keep learning your whole fishing career. I mean, you you learn something every single day. The hard part is it's hard to get going unless you know someone that can mentor you because there's so many variables. You could experiment for 20 years. It took me a long time to become proficient because you'd go up and talk to some of the old guys that were fishing and none of them wanted to tell you anything. You know, everything was a big secret. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, what's the, why is this a secret? So when I started finding this group of women to fish with, we were sharing everything. And it was the first time for them too, that they had a open book with someone that they could ask questions to. And this many years later, we have over 600 women in our group from 22 states in Canada. When you called it Wisconsin Women Fish, I read that it doesn't matter if you're in Wisconsin, clearly or not, it's all about reminding women that they can do this and let's do this together. I hear so many stories of, of women getting burned by friends and, and feeling judged and so on. And I would imagine that's that's quite a bit bigger when you're, you, you don't know what you're doing, you're new to fishing, you're attempting to learn, there's gotta be that safety, yeah? You know, it, it takes them about 15 minutes into their first event before you just see, see that exhalation and the relaxed look on their face happen. They get a lot of support all through, not only their fishing, but you know, if someone's having a hard time, you know, everyone's kind of, reaching out, cheering them up. What is the feedback that you hear from first-time participants? What does it do to fill and enrich their life? We do get a lot of common um, feedback in, from people that don't even know each other. And one thing that the women often say is that on the way to the event, they almost turned around and went home. Really? We have a group of gals here today that are up here shore fishing. And some of those gals, and she posts all the time, oh my, I found my people. Because a lot of times, men's peer group around fishing is really big. They usually have a lot of people they know that hunt or fish. Women, the peer group around that is much harder to find, is much smaller. When they can come together over a passion for fishing and then have all these great opportunities and mentors, it's just like, oh, this is awesome. What I hear you saying is fishing is the conduit. Yes. 
It's, it's yes, they love to fish, but really they're searching for their people. Oh yeah, there's something about being in the outdoors and going on these adventures. You know, I worked as a cop, I worked as a nurse, and I worked as a farmer. And I think I've changed more lives through fishing than any of those three combined. I'm gonna go up here to this spot where we know there's some crappies. These white specks, this is down imaging, those are fish. Here, this is yours. You're gonna feel that just barely touch the bottom. Yep, I did have a bite. We're off to a decent start. When you're first teaching a person to fish, first thing we do is just kind of take a look at their equipment. Because a lot of times they're using much too heavy rod or a line that's not appropriate. When we talk about patience earlier and how it's somebody that doesn't know or hadn't been introduced or it's been a long time, is the patience more on the fisher or on the teacher? I consider myself a teacher. So there's different ways people learn. I mean, you have to make it interesting and relative. It doesn't take long to see improvement. So it's not like you're struggling with a math problem that's you just rather not be doing. It's making small adjustments that are making big differences. Oh, there he's got one. Awesome. Oh, it's a bass. Swing yeah. right in the boat. Look at me. She's got, She's lines got hooked too. up behind. We got a double. Let's go. Oh, that's a nice perch. And this is a celebratory deal. Yeah. Right? Another thing we teach the gals is how to take good pictures. Yeah, extend your arm and make sure that it looks huge in the camera, right? And it makes you look little in the background. Oh, there he goes. Oh, walleye. Oh! He lost it. No. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. When we were on the way out here, one of the members on the shore caught a sturgeon. Those are things though that you celebrate. We're generally happy if most of the time, more so for if they catch a fish than if I catch a fish. Yeah, that's I would much about. rather see, and, and I think that's typical. That's why we don't have like these big competitive tournaments. Some organizations are tournament driven, and I just think that it creates a competitive attitude that just kind of goes against the learning that we try to do. Barb, what are the deep roots that you have that made you want to do this? Fishing in general, it's the only time I'm actually really present. You know, when I'm fishing, I'm really into the fishing. And as long as you're fishing, something exciting can happen at any moment. You know, you can sit there being, you know, just thinking about something, all of a sudden you have a giant fish on. Having a big fish on, it creates an increased heart rate, um, you start breathing heavier. It's like super fish. <laughs> Speaking of manifesting heart rates, Ooh. what do we got? It's a little walleye, but I'm not some. If, just in case they're camera shy, here we go. Oh. Uh, it's not big, but they're all fun. I have caught more pieces of driftwood and rocks and tree branches than I ever have caught fish. Uh oh. Look at me, caught a rock. Yay, Trevor. <laughs> Ugh, can't take me anywhere. Well, getting snagged isn't a bad thing. It's just something that happens. You Tell know, that it's to not my because... dad. <laughs> when I was growing up, we didn't have a boat, which meant we didn't get to fish spots like this. And we definitely didn't have somebody along with us that had the experience that you do. When you are encouraging 
women and or just current members to talk about the experience, I would assume that that has a lot to do with it. Most of the gals that are in the club, that is of such high value to them that they want to make sure that that's shared and passed on to everyone new. And if someone kind of steps out of line and starts like talking about somebody or being negative, boy, the, everyone just says, we don't do that here. I love that. That's amazing. And one of the gals just posted on Facebook, you know, she was, not only does this group make me a better angler, but it also makes me a better person. And that was a huge compliment. You want to be around people that make you better. You don't want to be around people that bring you down. And that's the whole mentality of the group. We just want to make each everyone better, give praise where it's deserved, acknowledge successes. I mean, that's what everybody needs, not just women. So what does the future hold for Wisconsin Women Fish? I've been doing this for 20 years. Ricky's the vice president, and if it wasn't for her, we'd be in a big mess because she does so much work. But I think the women hold it in such high regard. Like we just had like 30 volunteers helping us set up for fish camp. They feel a sense of ownership over it. I think you have to have people involved that that's really important to them. And I think it is throughout the organization. Barb, this was awesome, but I'm not gonna lie, it's starting to rain. I am a fair weather angler ah, at best. It's just getting good. I bet you it is. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> this, thank this you great. so much. Heck of a story to tell. We're really grateful that you had us out. Uh, caught a couple, two and a half, right? Yeah. Incredible sturgeon, broke one line, caught a couple rocks. And look at nobody got mad or yelled at you. I got snagged as soon as I was ready to. Oh, no. Some intro this is. The thing about fishing, you can do it your whole life. You're not gonna blow a knee out and not be able to fish. You've never fished with me. I'm one clumsy dude. <laughs> if anybody can blow a knee out fishing, I'm your guy. Problem with me singing Baby Come Back is I guarantee it makes the show. I could say some incredible things, but the moment I go, Baby Come Back, yeah, I'll stick to my day job. Another fun episode of Deeper Roots with Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Our thanks to Barb and Ricky and the amazing anglers within Wisconsin Women Fish. What an awesome community they are building. If you'd like to stay connected, search Wisconsin Women Fish on Facebook or head to their website, wiwomenfish.com. Hey, while you're there out on the interwebs, head to our website and fill out the form to have your deep-rooted Wisconsin story shared here on the show, farmandfleet.com slash deeperroots. Remember to share your favorite fishing story below. Like, comment, subscribe, and leave that five-star review on the podcast side. We appreciate it. We will catch you later. Catch fishing dad jokes? Yeah, we'll see you. Talk to you later. Bye. Remember to subscribe on YouTube, leave a review, smash the like button, just get with us. The Inside Wisconsin Show is brought to you by American Family Insurance, Aaron's Company, Blaine's Farm and Fleet, Capital Credit Union, Festival Foods, Quick Trip, Miller Lite, North Star Mohican Casino Resort, Provea Health, and the University of Wisconsin Platteville. <laughs>